Welcome to the Slumber Party Pod, a deep dive into decoms. I'm Lizzie, a wise and elderly secondary character. And I'm Hannah, a mean girl wearing a baby tee. And this week, we are talking about 2007's Jump In, starring Corbin Blue and Kiki Palmer. This has been, on my part, I don't want to say long-awaited because we haven't been doing that for this long, but a anxiously-awaited film because mm-hmm. I distinctly remember watching this many, many times, and I was so excited that this is what we got to watch this week. It was a really enjoyable movie. It was super enjoyable. Um, thank you to everyone who has listened to last week's episode where we talked about Radio Rebel, which was also mm-hmm. super fun and way more enjoyable than we anticipated it being. If you haven't listened yeah. to that already, listen to that because it was Yeah, that was a, a really fun episode. And as a nice little Thanksgiving treat, that episode was under an hour. So you're welcome. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. We're going to try again this week. Yes. Um, we know it's what y'all like. Everyone, yeah. I hope everyone who was celebrating this weekend had a really great Thanksgiving and ate something yummy of some mm-hmm. sort. I know we did. So. Me too. Hannah and Oh my I God. Actually. On Thanksgiving. <laughs> yeah. We FaceTimed on Thanksgiving. I was going to talk about that. I called Lizzie on Thanksgiving because y'all, we have our first sponsor and by sponsor, I mean, we're not getting paid. Um, but, y'all, we have merch. Because uh, Doodlebug Studio on Instagram, which is run by my aunt, and on Etsy, and I believe doodlebugstudio.com, we have merch. I'm wearing it right now. I'm going to mail them to Lizzie. Um, they're buttons with our logo on it. Yeah, we'll post a, a picture of how cute they are on the Instagram. Um, and we will make sure to link Hannah's aunt's shop shop. in our show notes. Um, because I looked at it and it's super cute. And that was such a lovely little surprise. I know. She just, she was like, I have a gift for you. And I was like, it's not even Christmas. And she made them. She, you know, she makes tons of stuff. She makes masks and things. Um, but, and she said she would make us whatever merch we want. So, if y'all are interested, eventually they'll be for sale. I'm sticking by my idea for the Descendant sticker that's a little black lizard with a name tag that says your mom on it. <laughs> I want Kenny Ortega fan club stickers. <gasps> well, that's my idea. We've done what, three movies directed by Kenny Ortega? Yeah, so far. So. Wink, wink. Maybe, maybe when we get to what, a nice even four, we'll. Maybe a nice even four. Maybe. We'll see. But we'll see. who knows when that's going to happen? I don't know. We know no when clue. that's going to happen. <laughs> <laughs> We're not Sooner than you all think. All right. Um, but yeah, that's that's it for, I think, our fun updates for now. And though this movie was not directed by Kenny Ortega, sad. No. It did include one of our favorite high school musical alum. Corbin Blue. Yeah. Although, actually, this movie. Did this movie come out before High School Musical? No, it came out exactly one year after, which is like one of my biggest notes is that, like, this is the same story as High School Musical. (laughs) 
Yeah. And they, I was doing some research. I know we're kind of just jumping in. Yeah. But they, I did some research. They filmed this movie in, like, one month. Like, very quickly. That's impressive. Um, I mean, a lot of DCOMs are filmed pretty quickly. Like, I know High School Musical 2 was filmed in about a month or maybe five or six weeks. But yeah. they literally filmed this movie, like, in June of 20, 2007, which it came out exactly a year after High School Musical. It feels like they were, like, we gotta get, you know... Maybe, it, I'm sure it was already in the works, but they were like, High School Musical was a success. Yeah. We need another, we need another one. Yeah. And they did. Mm-hmm. But we're getting ahead of ourselves. It's kind of the same. Yeah, we are. Um, because before we even uh, talk, can talk about anything else, we have to do a 60-second summary. And Lizzie, it's your turn this week. I'm ready. Okay, let me get you a timer. I'm confident. I'm prepared. Okay, I'm good because I I wouldn't be confident this week. All right. Are you ready? I am. Three, two, one, go. So Corbin Blue, Corbin Blue plays uh, Izzy Daniels, who is a really talented young boxer who lives in Brooklyn, um, has a little sister and a dad. His mom has semi-recently passed away we think um and is preparing for this kind of like super important championship match called the golden gloves competition he in a interesting turn of events ends up joining a double dutch team run by his neighbor and big time crush mary played by kiki palmer and realizes as he's been working on double dutch with them that he actually like is super passionate about this and maybe isn't super happy boxing. So he has to make a decision and risk disappointing his dad. And he also has to deal with the patriarchal idea that men can't be double Dutch people or do something creative and instead just have to do sports that deal with brute force and violence. See what I mean? That it's the exact same plot as high school musical. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. That was a really good summary. Thank you. Thank you so much. Um, I'll pull up. I have Disney Plus pulled up. It's a pretty short summary on Disney Plus, but short and to the point is good. This is fine. They say, Brooklyn teenager Izzy Daniels is training to become a boxing champ because that's his dad's dream. But he's intrigued by the cool moves involved in Double Dutch and agrees to help out his neighbor Mary when she needs a fourth member on her jump rope team. The sport takes more talent and teamwork than Izzy ever expected. And along the way, he learns it's more important to follow his own heart. And smash the patriarchy. <laughs> Lizzie said before we started recording, she said, is jump in a feminist text? You might be surprised. We're going to find out. In some that can be ways, a title. Definitely, yes. In other ways, mm-hmm. maybe less, though. Maybe less. I don't think it was 2007. I don't think there's any parts that are distinctly anti-feminist. No, I don't think so. Because all of the people who are anti-feminist in it come out looking like gigantic idiots and douchebags. But mm-hmm. they're also all, like, 15, so... Yeah. Maybe we should slow down. <laughs> Maybe we should. Um, so I also have Rotten Tomatoes pulled up. Hit me with Lizzie, it. if you had a guess, what do you think the Rotten Tomatoes score is? It's gonna be a 62. Well, you're funny because... It is, kind of. <laughs> the critic score is 63%, and 
And the audience score is 61, which is a fun average of 62. Delightful. I know the people on IMDb were super rude and gave it a 5.4. Yeah, I saw that. That's one of the lowest ones we've seen. That's one of the lowest IMDb scores we've seen. Shocking, and if I may be so bold as to say, undeserved. Yeah, disappointing. Yeah. Um, I'm trying to pull up the Rotten Tomatoes, like, actual critic scores, but my computer's yelling at me a little bit. Um, Let me see if I can pull them up. Oh, okay, I see. Yeah, all the critic scores... Oh, no. About half of the critic scores are really nice. Like, they're saying it's a good family movie, the director was good, it's good off, good for the the intended audience. Sure. But some of them are saying... There are three that are really mean. One of them is really mean, and the critic didn't even have to put a picture. He was too scared to put his face yeah. in front of his words. Typical. He said, it quickly sinks underneath the weight of its heavy-handed, predictable, and flat-out ridiculous storyline. What? Wow. Flat-out ridiculous? It was, like, based in real life. <laughs> was it? No, but I mean, like, it's a real-world oh. thing. Like, oh, yeah. Xenon had better, <laughs> had better reviews than that. <laughs> Someone wrote, it's a por- a puddle of boring cliches, but they spelled cliches wrong. Well. So. Life is full of disappointment. They can get over it. You know what? Those are all from random websites, and the, the reviews from, like, Variety and Common Sense Media are good, so. There you go. And those are more recent reviews. The, the ones that are mean are from 2007. So, this was directed by a man named Paul, I believe it's pronounced Hoen, H-O-E-N. Yeah, that sounds like it makes sense. And let me tell you, we have, he might be our number two after Kenny Ortega, looking at his yeah. Mm-hmm. He has done a million and nine Disney Channel original movies. Have we talked about him before? I don't think so. I think this No, we have, because he's the guy who did Dadnapped. Is he? Yes, he is. He He's done about everything Disney Channel ever had, apparently. Oh. Sorry, Paul. Yeah. We talked, yeah, we talked about him a few weeks ago. I think maybe you looked him up and that's why I got confused. Whoops. Oh. Um, but I'm yeah. just looking at his IMDb page. Oh, he's and we'll done- be talking about him again soon. <laughs> Very soon. A bajillion and nine things, and also a bunch of TV series that mm-hmm. are super fun, including Sabrina the Teenage Witch. Yeah. Like, the original. Yeah. the 90s. Mm-hmm. Incredible. Ned's Declassified School Survival Guide. Which, okay, I just have to say, Ned's Declassified School Survival Guide, one of the funniest things that happened this Halloween was Lil Nas X going as the basketball player from that show. Oh my god, I didn't see that! Oh, I have to Google that right now. Yeah, it's a hoot and a half. I will also screenshot that to put in our carousel for this week, because it <laughs> it still makes me giggle. He really went all out. And he's so Why good are they calling him the basketball guy? His name is Billy. <laughs> well, I didn't know no, that. No, he looks so good. Yeah, I know, and he's got the like little derpy little smile. I love it. Yeah, and he photoshopped himself into the background. Oh, that's good. Shout out, little Nas X. 
Ugh, I love him. He makes me giggle so much. Um, but yeah, so, an amazing director. The two lead young people. Izzy, Mm -hmm. played by Corbin Blue. Thank you, God. Mm -hmm. Of High School Musical fame. Mary, played by Kiki Palmer. Of Akilah in the B fame. Also True Jackson VP, but that came after this, so... I at the time, Kiki Palmer, and I am so happy that in the year of our Lord 2021, we are in the middle of some sort of Kiki Palmer resurgence, a, a renaissance, if you will. <laughs> Me and my mom were just talking about this. She was like, "Why is she all over the place now?" I was like, "I don't think she ever left. I think she's just now re-entered the spheres that we are in in terms of content." Mm-hmm. she never left my mind because she was for a long time in like olay commercials and that was all i saw on youtube Ooh. so i saw her like every day sure. no but i love her i love her and i alluded to this in our last episode i was so excited to talk about kiki palmer because i can talk about my favorite thing that's ever occurred on the internet which is a youtube video of kiki palmer Oh, Kiki Palmer, lie detector test with Vanity Fair. <gasps> oh my god, I quote this every day. I, okay, so this is exactly what I'm talking about. So she is taking this lie detector test, and she is shown a picture of Dick Cheney. Yeah. And... The she says, do you want me to do it? <laughs> Let me just... She goes... She cannot recognize... Okay. She does not recognize him. And this is what she no. says to get the point across. She goes, I hate to say it, and I hope I don't sound ridiculous, but I don't know who this man is. He could be walking down the street, and I wouldn't know a thing. I am sorry to this man. <laughs> I love it so much. I could see him walking down the street. Wouldn't know a thing. Wouldn't know a thing. Sorry I am sorry to this man. <laughs> I say that every day, probably. Me and I love Maggie. her. Me and Maggie say it all the time and now <coughs> my mom says it too and we just had to have a conversation about it because i said it and my dad was like i don't know what that's from <laughs> it's from vanity fair and she mom, we all love her from true jackson vp yeah which was a crazy show when you think about it absolutely insane um and then of course akila and the bee where she was a, a child which i have um, never seen You've never seen Akilah and the Bee? It's really good. No, because I was told that it was emotional, and as a child, I... I mean, there's some emotional parts, but, like, I watch... I'm sure it's, like, rated G, if not P... I th- no, it is rated G, because I saw it at school, and you could only show movies that were rated G at school. I tried very hard in my youth, as I do now, to avoid any sort of film or television that I knew for a fact would make me feel any sort of negative emotion. Oh, like no, but it's a really good movie. That's good. So, like any sort of dog film, any film with any sort of no, was an absolute no. But that's I have them bookmarked. um, Does the dog die dot com? Oh, you can look at movies and stuff and see if if the dog dies. And if they do, I don't watch it. That's really smart. This there are no animals in this. There's only no athleticism and family bonding 
So. Yeah. Yeah, I guess we're a little bit off track. Um, Lizzie, do you have a ranking out of five stars? I do. Mm-hmm. I'm going to give this a full-chested 4.25 stars. Oh, my God. Yep. That's so good. I'm That's giving so good. it a solid four, I think. Yep. 4.25. Because I was looking at my other things, and the only other things that I've given a similar rating to were Descendants 2 and 3. Mm-hmm. And I like I liked this just as much. And it brought me as much joy. I'm sure part of that is because I had watched it before. But mm-hmm. there were... This had hit after hit of what I wanted this movie to be for me. So It was really good. I know I've seen it before because I knew the plot and I knew the songs, obviously. But I've probably... It's definitely been a long time since I've seen it. And I don't know if I've seen it more than once. Like, I definitely watched it as a kid when it came out. Yeah. But I don't know if I saw it again. So, like, it was kind of like rewatching it for the first time a little bit for me. And I really enjoyed myself. Yeah, I definitely haven't watched this, like, it's probably been eight years since I have seen this, so mm-hmm. getting to rewatch it was super fun, and Maggie had never seen it before, so getting to watch it for the first time with Maggie was really fun. I was just about to ask, because I was curious if Maggie had any thoughts to share with us from an actual child. She does. We just watched this but a few moments ago um and she took a lot of notes but made her review very concise which i appreciate i love that she said Mm -hmm. this is an amazing movie the drama is just the right amount the music and humor are great and it is overall great 4.75 out of 5 oh my god she's out here hitting us with like the best reviews she, because last week, she gave Radio Rebel a 5 out of 5. Mm-hmm. A perfect I, score. Our first one. I think the only thing that knocked this down, that quarter of a point, is that um, I think, personally, the angst in this was not the sort of mm-hmm. angst that really captured her attention, nor does she particularly care about sports. However, Maggie is a kickboxer, so I was kind of shocked that she wasn't more into this. Oh. But, yeah. Because really what we should do is we should take a 12-year-old who is almost 5'8 and weaponize her. (laughs) That's really a great idea (laughs) on our part. She's 5'8? She's almost 5'8, yeah. Oh my god. But I am also, like, 5'8". Five nine ish, and I've been this height since I was in sixth grade. So, oh my god, we grow really fast, and then we just plateau forever. <laughs> I just want to say that I've done the math, and by done the math, I mean I've put it in a spreadsheet. And this now makes our second highest ranked decom that we've done on our podcast after with an after Descendants three. Understandable. It's it's technically it's tied for second place with Descendants two, but with an average of four point three out of five with all three of our ratings. That's pretty good. Yeah, it, it was a really good movie. Good for you, jump in. 
Yeah. And Good speaking for you, Paul of Hohen. which, would we like to jump into our hot takes? <gasps> oh my god, that was such a good pun. I would. Well, it was funny because I was watching it and about halfway through the movie, my parents came home. So I was like giving them the rundown. And I said, my summary was, it's basically High School Musical, but instead of rich kids in Albuquerque, it's like kind of poor kids in Brooklyn. And then at one point, I think closer to the end, it showed them like practicing jump rope outside in like what looked like a suburb and my mom said that is not poor kids and i said well i don't know because they were like on their fire escapes the whole time as if they lived in like apartment buildings but then when they were shown on the street it was like nice townhomes yeah so we never that is an interesting point that you should make because we don't learn anything about the kind of economic socioeconomic status of our two mm-hmm. main characters. Um, mm-hmm. Though the socioeconomic status of Rodney, who is supposed to be sort of the villain character, does yeah, the bully. Play. Um, but Yes. Yeah, he's the only one that we really know that he, his family is struggling for money. His dad doesn't have a job yeah. because of that. It's kind of the same thing as last week. You know, the you know hurt people, hurt other people. He's bullying people because yeah. he's stressed out and... Struggling I don't at home. Think Izzy and Mary um, are necessarily supposed to be like poor. No, like, I don't think so. Because dad owns the boxing gym. Yeah. But, but yes. So this is very exciting to me because this is the first of perhaps my favorite subsection of. DCOMs, which is the sports movie. Really? I love oh, wow. a sports movie. Oh, see, I don't, but I'm, I'm glad you do. I think a sports movie is tied for me with a movie musical. Mm-hmm. Um, there is a case to be made that Avalon High is kind of a sports movie. However, a little bit. I don't think it's a strong case, so I'm going to say that this is our first DCOM sports movie. And I think so, too. I have mentioned this in past episodes, but I am going to mention it again. There is almost nothing I love more in a film than a training montage. So all of those parts of this movie, I was like, yeah, stick it into my veins. I love this. Humans are so awesome. Look at you go, Corbin Blue. Doing those flips unnecessarily on the streets. Of I know. He was doing like in the boxing ring. He was doing like a back handspring, back full twists. It was like doing flips. Incredible. And I was trying to figure out if, if any of that Corbin Blue had been doing himself, mm-hmm. or if it was like a stunt actor. It that he was doing some of it himself. I, I I believe it, because he is, like, fully, you know, I mean, despite what we all know, I don't dance. Corbin Blue has, like, a full dance training. I'm sure he has a bunch of martial He's arts training. He's athletic dude. And, yeah. like, there were some of those shots where, like, he was very clearly the one doing the jump roping and the boxing. Which mm-hmm. I thought was super impressive. As someone who is very bad at jump roping. <laughs> but also, I would like to make a little 
cinematography note on this topic. Mm-hmm. All of the double dutch scenes were shot in a way that I thought was very cool and showed the kind of intricacies of some of the tricks that were going on. However, mm-hmm. the like one big kind of fight scene that we actually get between Izzy and Rodney, which is supposed to yeah. be this exhibition match to determine which one of them goes to the Golden Gloves. Mm-hmm. I hated the way it was shot. Ooh, what, what, how was it? I don't remember. Because there were a lot of parts where it was, like, just on Izzy, and he was, like, punching at the camera, which mm-hmm. is fine, and I know is something that's used in a lot of sports movies. You get really up close to the athlete. And also, like, in other fighting movies and other boxing mm-hmm. movies, that's something that they do. But it was, like... The angle was just a little off where it felt like the camera was a little too close. So it just felt super claustrophobic and weird. And to the point where it was distracting. So I like got taken out of the story of it because I was like, I really hate this. And then it would transition to the jump roping scenes where it was shot in such a different way. Because that movement is so different than the boxing movement that yeah, I was... Maybe that was kind of the point. Because at that point, like, Corbin Blue was feeling rather stifled by boxing. Maybe. And and Jump Rope was was more freeing. I mean, maybe not. Who knows? Um, You know, know, not to say that Disney decoms can't be uh, artistic. They certainly can. But who knows if that was the intent. We don't. Mm Mm-hmm. Um, but, yeah. That's interesting to say. Yeah. Um, but that was, that's just something that I wanted to get out there. Has little to do with the story, but it's something that I kind of <laughs> So. Yeah. I kind of want to keep talking about Rodney a little bit, because, um, you know, I, a couple of times in my notes, like, wrote, like, I feel really bad for Rodney, um, and, you know, it was cleared, like, I wrote, I'm glad Izzy does, too. Like, clearly Izzy um, feels bad for Rodney and, like, kind of pities him, even though Rodney's mean to him, because Rodney is very poor, and we see him, as well as Corbin Blue sees him, like, getting free clothes from the school nurse, mm-hmm. and then, like, throwing them away because he's embarrassed, um, and he li- he does live in kind of, like, a, what seems to be a not as nice part of town. Like it's not the nice townhomes we see Mary and Izzy living in. Um, he's still really mean, but he's sympathetic mean in a way that the girl, I kind of want to tie it to the radio rebel episode last week was not like Rodney. I hate to get ahead of myself, but his redemptive arc is one I can like get behind and believe because the whole time, even though he was mean, most of the movie, he was also sympathetic for most of the movie. Well, the girl last week, I think her name was like Stacy was not. Yes. She like, they tried to make her sympathetic in the last five minutes and I didn't buy it. Yes. I totally agree. And I did not remember that part of this plot like at all. And so when they, introduced Rodney the character I was like okay so he's gonna be the bad guy um and I knew that he lost like I knew Izzy won the match the exhibition match but that's like 
we get one instance of Rodney, like, being a jerk. And then the second interaction that viewers get is between him and this, like, school administrator who says, like, hey, I know your dad's, like, going through a rough time right now. But, like, remember there are people here to help you. Um, So you immediately know that there's, like, more to him than just being, like, evil bully dude. Um, Yeah. Which I found to be quite refreshing because I feel like a lot of Disney, like, decoms, especially of this era, and also, like, more recent ones like Radio Rebel, like, Mm -hmm. they try to make the person evil for as long as possible and then give them, like, a part of the happily ever after is like, oh, and you are forgiven. Whereas you- Yeah, it's very much like a one-sided- character and then when they become nice it's just like a, a full face 180 versus ronnie felt like it wasn't a, a full face switch and also he wasn't one-sided yes yeah um but so i guess we should talk about this now so one of the interesting parts about rodney's character is that throughout the movie, you are getting kind of voiceovers um, of oh, yeah. this person who you don't know who it is, who is kind of narrating the story. So it's obviously this is like someone reflecting on these events which have already happened and kind of like telling yeah. this story to you or perhaps telling the story to someone else, which is another thing. Yeah, a little bit of narration. That I love in a sports movie and I think is something that happens a lot. In sports movies, I'm thinking the Sandlot. That happens all the time. Mm-hmm. So, um, and I don't know if it's like a glory days thing or what it is, but it works for me. Um, and then, so fast forward to the end so we can talk about Rodney. Um, Corbin Blue gets to this like final double Dutch competition with his team with Mary, the uh, hot chili steppers. First of all, <laughs> tackled. Hilarious name. Amazing name. Much better than their original name, which was the Joy Jumpers. No. Yeah, that wasn't that, as... It just makes me think about sweaters. Oh. <laughs> that doesn't... It's not working. It just wasn't a competitive name. No. Like the, the Dutch the Dragons, their main competitor. Come Um... You don't want to compete against the, the hot chili steppers. Yes. And so they compete. It's incredible. It's amazing. And then before the first place team is announced, they like freeze frame. And the voiceover comes back in. And then it moves back to the boxing gym. And it's been Rodney this whole time telling this story to a like group of young kids who he is, like, mentoring at the boxing gym. And he talks about, like, I tell, like, this story about... And he's, like, still, like, a young kid. Like, he's still, like, in high school. This isn't, like, years in the future. But he talks about how he tells Izzy's story because about making the decision to pursue Double Dutch instead of boxing, or maybe in addition to boxing, um, to, like teach the kids about the importance of like doing what's in your heart and not doing things just to please anyone and I had completely forgotten about this as well and let me tell you 
I was delighted by this because that yeah. seemed like such a feasible way to wrap up his redemption arc. Because you see him and Izzy like make amends after he's like trying to get pressure Izzy into fighting him again. And Izzy's like, I'm mm-hmm. not doing this. Like, aren't you? Yeah, he's like, I'm done being mad. I hope you're done being mad too. It's, it was fantastic. Yeah. It yeah, and, like, and so, like, to see that, like, in the future, you know, not so far future, he's, like, working with kids, and he, it, it's not made clear if it's at, like, a jump rope gym or a, a boxing gym, but that, like, he's being a mentor. Yeah, it was awesome. Mm-hmm. So, good for you, Rodney. Um, do you want to talk about some of the other characters? Because there's a lot in this movie that I really liked. I do. Um, Izzy has two, like, friends, buddies, sidekicks, and one of them is Chuck, and the other one, his name is Lil Earl, (laughs) and let me tell you, that's about all I need to tell you about that character, because as soon as I heard that boy's name, I just about wet myself. I was like, that is a 16-year-old boy. Maybe his dad is Big Earl. In early... Well, and that's the hilarious thing is that he is Lil Earl. And when Izzy gets told that he has to face Rodney, he keeps asking him. He's like, you mean Big Rodney? Yeah, Big Rodney. You mean Big Rodney? (laughs) Yeah. And Maggie was like, no, Little Rodney. No, (laughs) Rodney. (laughs) Petite. I was like, I love that. That was so funny. Well, and... and yeah, they're fun, and um, part of their arc, besides, like, not really knowing what Corbin's into and then making fun of him, but then, like, coming around, is that there's one girl in their gym, and a lot of people, all of them, in fact, like, she's a really good boxer, but they're, like, make fun of her, and they're like, oh, well, she's only good for a girl, and when she yeah. beats them, because she is really good, they get butt hurt. But, like, she has a crush on... Which one is it that she has a crush on? Is it Chuck. Earl or Chuck? She has a crush on Chuck. And then Chuck also likes her. Yeah. So this is the part where it's like, is it a feminist text? Also a little bit, yes. Because um, she's better than them. She's so much better than them. And she is the first person outside of the Double Dutch team to find out that Izzy is doing this. And- oh, yeah. And she agrees to keep it on the DL yeah. if... Because she's, you know, she's like, you know, guys can do double dutch, girls can box. Like, can you tell them to lay off? And he's like, absolutely. It was a real hashtag girl boss moment, Tammy. Good job. It was. Good job. Yeah. Um, And she's like, I'm not good for a girl. She's like, I'm good for anyone. Yeah, she was like, I wouldn't be the best girl boxer in Brooklyn if, you know, Yeah. if I... She said something inspirational to Corbin. I don't remember what. she gives him... The, like, 11 o'clock pep talk, Mm -hmm. which was incredible. And she was like, I can't believe, because basically the entire school finds out that he's double-dutching. People are making fun of him. Um, Rodney, like, prints a bunch of pink flyers, like, making fun of him. It's really kind of Mean Girls-esque. Very much. And Tammy is the one who, when Corbin Blue is like, no, I'm quitting double-dutch, like, Obviously, I'm not supposed to be doing this. She was like, are you freaking kidding me? She was like, so, she was like, 
it's really a shame that this opportunity has been wasted on you if you are just gonna give it up like that. She's like, because yeah. she because people like, say mean things about I you. I would not be the best female boxer in the city. She's like, if I listened to all of you running your mouth mouths. Yeah, if I if you oh. know if I listened to the mean things that people say about me. Which I kind of want to. This is veering away from talking about some other characters, but it was it was weird to me how much people did make fun of him. Like he was the laughing stock of the school for weeks, which was weird because clearly one in this neighborhood, there's a lot of community support of all of these sports. Like there's lots of people from the community there at the boxing match, also at the double dutch tournaments, and also clearly in this neighborhood. Double Dutch is, like, a popular thing. Yeah. Like, there's a lot of teams. Kids do it just for fun on the street. Like, not even as teams. It's There's teams with... It's not just because he's a guy, because there are teams with guys. Yeah. It's something about him doing it. Yes. And I think part of it is because he has been made out to be this, like, golden boy, like, future champion, third-generation championship boxer. Like... And when we think about, like, boxing as a sport, I think part of the reason that they make so many sports movies about it and why people like to watch stuff about it and it's an appealing sport to watch is because there is no other acceptable form of, like, beating people up (laughs) of that sort of, like, like, that doesn't, that doesn't happen. It's the same reason why people watch, like, crazy-ass, like, 300 and gladiator movies. It's just (laughs) wailing on each other. And so, it's something about how he was perceived as, like, a tough dude golden boy. Yeah. But was Doing, like, a girly thing. Even though it wasn't really shown as a girly thing in the movie. But... Um, but I guess a, yeah. one of my other favorite characters who likes jump rope is Izzy's little sister, Karen. She's my favorite. She's played by Kylie Russell, yes. who is still in DCOMs to this day. Um, she is in Zombies, also directed by Paul Hohen, and mm. I really love that movie, so I hope we'll talk about it soon. But she is little like she I I was like I knew someone like kind of famous played his little sister I couldn't remember who and when she was there I was like I knew it it's Eliza from zombies um her name is Karen and she is so fun and sassy she like she teases Izzy for having a crush on Mary and she says the funniest line in the whole movie she's telling their dad about Izzy doing jumping jump rope and he says, shut up, Karen. And she says, shut, don't go up. Prices do. And I laughed so hard. It was incredible. She's like seven years old. She's so sassy. And I loved it. And she totally holds her own against mm-hmm. her brother. And she's the reason why he even sees them doing double dutch competitively in the first place because her dad is supposed to bring her and then he can't because they're like something has gone wrong at the gym so he makes izzy bring her 
and does not tell him that this includes her and all of her friends. And they're going yeah. to be like, and I hope you brought money because everybody's going to be hungry. Oh, he had to buy them all concessions. He bought them hot dogs and popcorn and sodas. It was so cute. And he was being so And snarky. they wanted refills and he was like, no. He was being so snarky about having to go. And then yeah. he was like getting really into it and like clapping and cheering for people. And every time she would just give him a little side eye. Like, mm-hmm. I'm not convinced that you're really hating this experience but yeah and then when she like eventually when i don't think he's even officially joined the team yet but just like when he's jump roping with them out like on the street in front of their houses she comes out of the house and sees him and she's like no way and spies on him through the bushes it's so funny because that's how she knows to like expose it to the dad yes and she's she's hilarious um, one of my favorite characters I made reference to in the introduction is another one of Izzy's kind of mentor characters, um, who is, God, I don't even know if they said the character's name. I don't remember either. I know he is credited, like, super low. Oh, was it Felix? Yes, he's the last one credited. It makes me sad. Yes, Felix, played by Gene Mack. And he was a hoot and a half. And he was very much the kind of older, um, wise mentor figure that Corbin Blue's character Izzy needed to have that was not someone he was related to. Um, And he is there kind of every step of the way, like... To just really, whatever the lesson is that Izzy's supposed to la- learn in that scene, he just hammers it home right at the end. So, like, he's there during the pep talk with Tammy, and after she leaves, he comes up and he's like, you need to listen to her, because she's very good and smarter than you. Mm-hmm. And I was like, yep, yep. And I definitely think, and then- <clears throat> like, that's a legitimate thing, like... Sometimes you do need someone who is older than you and who you respect to just reiterate something that you already know is right so that you'll be mm-hmm. like, all right, yeah, this is the right Yeah, move. there were some other cute, funny scenes with him. Like, after the original fight that Izzy wins, he's, like, in the hall with his friends and Earl is, like, jumping around and being crazy and starts talking about Felix, like, behind his back. But Felix, like, walks up. Oh, behind him and just listens because earl isn't a good boxer oh very bad he's bad um and felix is like stop running your mouth and actually work harder in practice how about that yes um so we're about 45 minutes in so i have two more (gasps) important topics that i'd like to discuss go for it the first being the izzy and mary relationship (gasps) yes adorable they want to hate each other so bad they want to hate each other so bad they argue with each other if you know me and lizzie we love an enemies to lovers friends to lovers moment they're so snarky and they have like great banter through the whole thing Mm -hmm. like is it a little cringy and cheesy sure but also like but like they're they're neighbors and they stand on their balconies and talk to each other it's I, very, like, Romeo and Juliet. It's perfect. 
her um, and her balcony is taller than his because of mm-hmm. course it is. And so mm-hmm. he has to like look out and up his window at her and like climb out. He has to climb out of his window onto his fire escape and she has like an actual balcony. Yeah, that opens up and he like watches her like dance and sing. Yes, and but then They're so cute. He can't just say a nice thing. So he has to be like, um, I also have to sleep, so if you could just try to not snore tonight, that would be great. Yeah, and it's like, y'all live in different buildings. Yeah. Calm down. He's just trying to get a rise out of her, and it's the best ever. Mm-hmm. But then, the most, and first of all, everyone knows this. Like, from the very yeah. first scene that they're together, her friends, who are the other two members of the Double Dutch team, are like, oh, you like him so bad. And she's like, nah And they're like, I can't yeah. deal with him. They're like, mm, okay, whatever. But on this balcony, we get something almost unheard of in a Disney Channel original movie. A love interest kiss on the lips in the first half of the movie. Normally, you don't even get it at all in the movie. You get a kiss on the cheek or maybe an allusion to it. like Yeah, like behind a... Scene. Yeah. But no, she, and she initiates it because they're kind of talking and they have a little heart-to-heart moment about him making the right choice and, you know, following Mm -hmm. his heart and what he's good at and being honest with his dad about how he feels. And she just reaches over and gives him a little peck. And then they're both kind of standing there like, "Mm." and they're like, uh, I'll see you tomorrow, bright and early. And they walk away, and he's like, oh, yeah, bright and early. And it was so cute, because they were so happy. They were very cute. And they were, like, uh, it was, like, appropriate for their age. Yeah. Uh, it was It was just very cute. I'm actually reading, quickly, that this movie was meant to star Raven Simone. Um, and I don't know if that means, like, in place of Kiki Palmer. Really? Or if they, like fully rewrote it i'll be honest because i'm also reading that china ann mclean was supposed to be in it and that makes me think she was going to be the little sister because she's about our age wait say that again china ann mclean was supposed to be in this movie too oh okay which makes me think she would have been the little sister because she she would have been six or seven at the time wait a minute i'm looking at this so Kiki Palmer, I'm reading this. So that was her first kiss of ever. <gasps> oh my god. And she's so, so well adjusted. <laughs> hold on. Hold on. Hold on. Kiki Palmer is 28. So she was 12 when this came out. Oh my god. How old was Corbin Blue? I don't know. I'm kind of nervous to look it up. Corbin Blue is. Don't tell me he was an adult. No, he was 15. Oh, okay. So that's. Oh, wow. He was young. He doesn't. He was born. I in... guess he looks like he could be. Yeah. He's also a Pisces. I don't know. <laughs> Ooh. Because <laughs> his dad, his birthday is the day before my dad's. That's the only reason I knew. Ooh, another fun thing about him, because I was Googling. Corbin Blue quite a bit as I was watching the movie. 
he was born in Brooklyn, which is fun. Okay. Um, because the movie's set in Brooklyn. And, you know, and he went to, like, LaGuardia or wherever the same place Timothy Chalamet went. So, clearly he has all this training. But, because I was looking up where he's from, because the whole movie is, is he wears this necklace that is, like, green, yellow, and red. And I was wondering if it was, like, meant to be an allusion to a flag, like, a country that they're from. Um, Corbin Blue is half Jamaican. Yeah. But that's obviously not the Jamaican flag. So, it's unclear where, where Izzy's meant to be from. Yeah. <clears throat> oh, but I also wrote down, well, in my Googles, the last thing I found out about Corbin Blue that I want to bring up. I was like, wow, this really gives me In the Heights vibes. We should recommend In the Heights. Corbin Blue was in In the Heights. How did I not know that? Yeah, so he was in In the Heights. He was a snobby. Um, do you have anything else you want to talk about besides, of course, the music? Yes. Uh, one quick thing I would like to say, I'd like to talk about the actual jump roping itself. Yes. It was so impressive. And it's it so was. One of the few, like, very vibrant memories I have of this. One is, um, there's, like, a very specific shot of him warming up for his exhibition match by himself in the mirror that I could see so clearly in my mind when I thought about this. The second one is him and Mary on the balcony. And the third one was from the, like final double dutch competition but it was not that team it was not the hot chili steppers it was their rival team the dutch dragons i had such a vivid memory of watching that because of their costumes oh the costumes in this by the way you can so clearly tell that this was made pre-2010 yes (laughs) there's a lot of denim capri happening um, a lot of like tank tops over t-shirts, a lot of sequins. cropped jack, cropped short sleeve jackets. There was just a the lot likes. going on. The works. So, there we are. Also, Kiki Palmer is a Virgo, just so you know. Oh, of course she is. Of course she is. That's why everyone loves her. Um. But yeah, the other thing I'd like to say, we see a couple other teams. Performances? Mm-hmm. Is that the word I'm looking for? Yeah. And it's like a song long. However, the Hot Chili Slippers, mm-hmm. for plot reasons, who's to know why? Got the length of two full songs. And also, the whole second song, they didn't jump rope, they just danced. They danced, they did a little bit of jump roping. And also, yeah. no one. Well, and like, to be fair, it was the freestyle section, so probably there's not many rules. Right. But. Um, My mom, who I said, I think, like, came in at, yeah. at that point. She was like, they're not even jump roping. You're like, you make an But they still point. win. Don't worry. You make an excellent point. Um, all right, Hannah. Let's talk about music. Oh, my God. The music. Well, of course, there's one song we all think of when we think of this movie. Push it. And it's Push It to the Limit, sung by Corbin Blue himself. Push it, push it. We all saw that music video 17 times between episodes of Hannah Montana and, I don't know, whatever else was on at that time. Before um, or after. Sweet Life. Tiny episodes of Pass the Plate. Do you remember that? Oh my god. Bell Peppers. I love Bell Peppers. I think it's about It's a that spicy pepper. All that, 
all the time about they were in Australia and she had mango on a stick that she was putting chili powder on. I just always think of the French. Those are spicy peppers. I love, I love zucchini. I can't do a French accent. I'm sorry. I'm sorry to France. <laughs> I'm sorry to that France. Lizzie, cut that out. <laughs> I'm sorry to that France. I'm sorry to that France. Um, but there's also, so like there's that song. But also, there's two songs sung by Kiki Palmer, who I forgot, like, was a singer. Yeah. Like, I, I guess she, like, also sang the True Jackson VP. I don't know, I just forgot that she's a singer. There were two songs by her that were good. Lizzie mentioned it earlier, maybe before we were recording. There's a Drew Seeley song. This really is high school music. Was Drew Seeley in High School Musical? He was the voice of Troy in the whole first movie. The singing voice. What? You didn't know that? <laughs> they didn't trust Zac Efron to sing for the whole first movie. It's Drew Seeley. I only Lizzie? know... I only know Drew Seeley. Oh my god, he's also a Virgo. From another Cinderella story, oh which is going Cinderella in the recommendations story. this week. Don't worry. Don't worry. Also, he was in One Tree Hill. But oh, I know I've him never seen that. Most importantly, as oh my god, first of all, you should. Excellent. I will. Don't worry. One ridiculous day. One Tree Hill high school drama. Um, but yeah, I know him as Selena Gomez's love interest in One Tree Hill. No, no. What the hell is that? Another in another Cinderella story. Oh That's funny because. I was going to put that in the recommendations this week because the ending jump rope competition scene of this movie really reminded me of the ending dance competition scene of that movie. Yes, I think about that movie so often because of that scene where they're dancing in front of the mirrors mm -hmm. and their backs are to each other. Yes. So dramatic. And also because, uh, tell me something I don't know, the Selena Gomez song was my ringtone for three years. I loved that song. I love that movie still. With Sil what? With Sue Sylvester? Jane oh Lynch? Oh my god, it's so good. It's so It good. is. Maybe one day we'll have to visit that. Yeah. Maybe we'll one day. do a Cinderella story and another Cinderella story. Yeah, we could. Combo. Um, and then the last song I guess that I wanted to talk about was there's a Jordan Pruitt song. That's what? the credit song. That's fun. I was like, I don't remember this song, but I know that I've heard it, and I know that I love it, because when it came on, I suddenly knew all the words. And let me tell you, um, but also, they were, um, it was fun. They sampled a lot of, like, fun, like, hip-hop and R&B songs from, like, Oh, yeah, the like, 90s like, Jump, or whatever that song is called. Yeah, like, Jump. Um, but the music really made the energy of the film. It was a great soundtrack. It was so fun. Um, I'm really excited mm -hmm. to put some clips in at various points oh, of this yeah. last section. That's becoming one of my favorite parts of the pod, by the way. Really? When I'm listening to it. Yeah, yes, I love it. I'm so glad we're doing that now. Yes, me too. 
Um, also, I hope everyone liked Hannah's reel that she posted about Radio Rebel. <gasps> Tell her it's oh my God, yeah, you beautiful because it is brilliant and beautiful. You wouldn't believe how long it took to make, but I'd also like to keep doing those from now on. It was so. worth all of the extra time, I think, because mm-hmm. I think it was very cool. Um, but yeah, I thought it was so good. It was so fun. Um, I think it's super interesting that Push It to the Limit is the last song. It's like yeah. their final song. Obviously, we get a little more Kiki Palmer like as the credits are yeah. rolling. But like, that's yeah, I was expecting it much earlier in the movie. So was I. I thought that was part of the training montage, but it's just because in the music Me too. video, he's pooing. So yeah, no, it's like it's fully featured. Yeah, but the movie was brilliant. Yeah, we loved it. We have some fun holiday themed things coming, but not yet. Want to ease um, you into it. And in the meantime, if you want to follow us on Instagram at uh, slumberparty.pod, um, we post lots of stuff during the week before and after the episodes post. I'll be posting pictures of our, our new merch buttons that will be coming out eventually. And there you go. Yeah. And your homework is if you listened this week, you have to recommend it to a friend, an enemy, or a Tinder match. I don't make the rules. Or an enemy who you are hoping to be in an enemies to lovers relationship with. This can be their sign. Yeah. Take it away. This has been the Slumber Party Pod, a deep dive into DCOMs. This episode was edited by Lizzie and collectively conceived of as a post-grad crisis by Lizzie and Hannah. This podcast has been distributed by Anchor, and we hope you'll join us again next week. to say it i hope i don't sound ridiculous i don't know who this man is i mean he could be walking down the street i wouldn't i wouldn't know a thing sorry to this man